podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash fmlfpl. Hey, welcome to a Fireside Chat episode. This is Walsh. I had the privilege of interviewing three correspondents from the three promoted teams, Watford, Norwich, and Brentford. Some really cool guests on, really knew their stuff, and I had a lot of fun talking with them about their clubs. Hope you enjoy it, and if you want to help support the pod, you can check us out, as always, on patreon.com and get in our Discord. It's always lively, and we'd love to see you there. All right. Hope you like it. Cheers. I'm pleased to be joined by Bradley Hayden, Talk Watford Football Club. Watford came up last season, 91 points, second in the automatic promotion spot after a one-year hiatus down in the championship. Bradley, how you doing? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, good, thank you. How, how are you? I mean, uh, for me, I'm looking forward to the to getting back into the Premier League. I mean, my last my last game that I've been to as a fan was uh, was in the Premier League. And now my first game back is hopefully is going to be in the Premier League. Well, it is going to be in the Premier League, actually. So it'll feel like I've, I've never missed a year of football, really. It's like it never happened. You're just back <laughs> at Vicarage Road, game week, game day one, you're ready to go. I can forget all the all the terrible defeats we've had to Man City down the years <laughs> until we face them again and get with five 0 down at half time again. Yeah, you got two more of those to look forward. Hopefully, only uh, two more of those to look forward to this season. Huh? Yeah, I hope, probably I'll see Harry Kane at about ten between <laughs> in the, in both fixtures this season. But yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. forget about them. Yeah, well, we'll see what color he's wearing in a couple of weeks. But <laughs> for the time being, you know, ninety-one points, pretty tidy. You know, bounce right back up. How'd the season go for you last year? Well. Kind of like a season in, of two halves for Watford really last year. The first half of the season was okay, but I think you know you could tell really by the way that the team were playing on the pitch that they they weren't a huge fan of Vladimir Ivic, who was in charge at that time. Um, lots of criticism in terms of style of play and, and Watford being too slow getting back to front, not really scoring enough goals. Uh, sort of that the attacking flair with the likes of Ismail Assar wasn't we weren't really getting him involved too much weren't really exploiting him his pace too much at all just was struggling to score we were keep we were we were solid defensively but weren't really very pretty to watch weren't really creating too many chances sounds like weren't really put, weren't really putting them away really <laughs> either to be honest but then um, Gisco Munoz came in and um, completely. I think the first thing that he did, we didn't really see too much of a, a, a change in terms of style of play the first month or so that he was in charge. It was more so getting the players back on side. I think that was the, the main thing, really improving the rapport of the squad. And that, that really came to fruition in the season because it was the tightest knit bunch of Watford players that we, we've seen certainly since we had Harry Grissier a few years ago where we got to the FA Cup final. And then after uh, about a month or so, I think the turning point was when we lost uh, QPR. We lost at home 2-1. We had a ball-nil-nil draw with Coventry, which to, to those viewers outside of the UK is, is not an exciting game to say. It doesn't sound an exciting game, and it was an exciting game to, to say the least of things. A ball-nil-nil draw away to Coventry on a, on a muddy pitch on a cold Saturday afternoon. And I think after that, combined with the injury to Troy Deeney as well, forced 
him as well slightly to go to a 4-3-3 formation and move Jao Pedro up front and bring in another midfielder, which was Will Hughes into midfield. And ever since then, uh, Watford looked far for, far more free-flying, looked really sort of deadly on the counter-attack when they got chances. Controlled, didn't, didn't concede too many, too many goals, but were efficient when they needed to be in really towards the end of the season, we're, we're grinding out results professionally in the end of things. And uh, in the end, I think if you looked on paper, Watford had one of the best squads in, in the championship. Had, had they pulled their finger out a bit earlier, they might have might have been able to rival Norwich and, and win a challenge for the title. In the end, that was too little too late. But in the end, you know, managed to, to get back that style of football that we wanted, be more on the front foot, high pressing, um, and not concede so many either as well. There was there was a few stars in that campaign. Um, I think one of them, obviously, is Milo Saar, one our player of the season. Probably surprised that he didn't leave last summer. Scored scored the most goals. Assisted quite a few as well. João Pedro mentioned as a really exciting young player, uh, Brazilian striker who can play up front out wide, and he was even uh, even at times played in a, in a central attacking midfield role as well. And we, we had some, some injuries. Uh, Francisco Siautra at the, at the back had a really strong partnership with William Trusacong. Didn't, sco- didn't concede too many goals. Read the game really well. Aerially dominant. Uh, Daniel Backman as well. Goal um, impressed the second half of the season. He, he became Watford's first part of first choice goalkeeper and represented Austria in, in the Euros as well. I mean, and then can I slow you down for a second? You're taking all you're taking all of our fire away from later on. Can we <laughs> can we slow down and come back to the goalkeeping and defense for a minute? Yeah. So I yeah. know you mentioned Bachman, international for for Austria, kind of supplanted Foster, who you know we know has been around for dog's years. How do you see Bachman? You know, as a shot stopper, you know, does he command the area? Strength, you know, how do you, do you like him? Do you think he's going to be a good good Premier League goalkeeper for this season for you guys? I would think so. I mean, there's there's been links in the last week to to Ajax and potentially Arsenal showing some potential interest in him. I don't know how true that is, but mm-hmm. in terms of his ability, he's he's very commanding of his area. I mean, the one thing that you could see from those games in lockdown when there was no fans there was he was always communicating with his defence, always screaming at his defence, always giving orders to his defence. And it was one of the main things you could hear, even when Watford had the ball, you could hear him screaming orders to it to his back line. And then when he was called upon, he, he really put a probably put a foot wrong. He's got a real canny ability to save penalties as well. We had a we had a, a cup fixture at the start of last season against <laughs> yeah. uh, Oxford yeah. where he, he saved three and yeah. was named man of the match. Yeah. And not he, in the penalty shootout. Exactly. And and the and the um he saved one against Rotherham early this season as well. So he's got an ability to save penalties as well. So if, if there's a penalty that uh, what Watford can see, there's a it's sort of a 50-50 chance sure. that he might, he might save it. He's sure, got a good sure. ability to save them. Sure. But really sort of strong hands for a goalkeeper as well. You know, he's had some quite some fierce shots uh, thrust his way in the championship, but stood up to them really well. Never really made any any kind of mistakes as well. Distribution was quite good too. Looked to, looked to get Watford away quite quickly as well, um, which was something that maybe Ben Foster hasn't had in the in the last 
couple of seasons. Yeah, his distribution's never been a strong suit for Mr. Foster. Yeah, I mean, in, in the 90th minute, when you, when you want to, <laughs> when you're sitting on a one nil lead, you always want Ben Foster to go down to hold the ball on for oh, about yeah. three minutes before he releasing knows how to it. Do but that. Exactly. But in terms of Backman, you know, really put a foot wrong, okay. and I, I would, I would fully expect him yeah. to be. And, and I think the vibes coming out of the Watford camp are that he will be Watford's number one goalkeeper this season nice, as well, nice. and and well deserved considering you know. He had a really strong Euros of Austria as well, and mm-hmm. strong six months of Watford as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like the term you said earlier, kind of grinding out professional results. You know, once Chisco caught in, you guys did keep 23 cleans last year, which is a pretty good number in the championship, you know, for, for a the second record, place. Record yeah. number, I think, as well. Yeah. And, and only 30 goals conceded. I mean, really good league leading. And when Shisco came in, you know, you kept, I think, like 11 clean sheets or something in, in a small yeah. window. Do you anticipate, you know, the step up to the Premier League, you know, being, you know, focus, defense focus first on, you know, being solid, staying consolidated and keeping those three midfielders kind of tight-ish to the, to the back four? How are you imagining that playing out? I think so. And I think given who Watford have signed this summer as well, in terms of up front, they've signed Emmanuel Dennis from, uh, from Belgium Club Bruges, who's well known for his pace, scored a couple of goals against Real Madrid in Champions League a few years ago, signed Josh King as well, well known yeah. from his time at Bournemouth, very quick as well. You look at Ismail Lassar, Ken Semmer, yeah. they're not slow either. Jao Pedro, and he's back fit as well. Yeah. So what I can see Watford doing is try, trying to be hard to break down, trying to be organised, but then looking to try and, if, if they the do camera. do play with the likes of Semmer, Saar, you know, King, you know, uh, Pedro as well, Dennis, um, I would expect them to be trying to try and hit teams on on the break. It all depends, really, in terms of Troy Deeney's involvement this season as well. I mean, sure. we've he's, he's just go his experiment in the last preseason game with a four four two. I think I would expect Watford to play four three three this season. And considering how well they have done, they've played without Troy last year. I think it's showcased that they they don't need to rely on him so much. And that has been something that Watford fans have called upon in the last yeah. few years as well. Yeah. So and football like, fans alike. <laughs> so I, ex- I expect us to be difficult to break down. Um, I expect us to be organised in midfield. Okay. I would probably expect us to see, I mean, Will Hughes looks like he's on the way out for us at the minute. So I would expect to see someone like a Tebo in midfield, okay. maybe with Tom Cleverley. Before we, come into, before we come into midfield, because I do want to spend a few moments on that three, because I think there's some interesting names in there. Kiko Femenia, you know, he's sort of someone we remember as being sort of the chance creator. And, you know, a lot of our listeners, we talk about the kind of FPL game about looking for those assists. And, you know, we know that the center back partnership's pretty strong. They've been pretty good back there. And, but Femenia is someone who was interesting back when he was in the division, you know, maybe not the best going backwards, but going forwards, he certainly created a lot of chances. Did that again last season. I mean, are you, are you imagining him, you know, just holding that spot, you know, 3,000 minutes and and hopefully chipping in a few assists? Definitely. He's got a fantastic relationship with his minor side down the right-hand side as well. Really, really, really pacey. And you'll see quite a lot in games, uh, especially at home this season. You'll, and it was the case last season, seeing for many a bomb down the right-hand side, get overlapping for many, uh, over, overlapping Saar, looking to, looking to stretch that back line and looking to, to whip balls into the box. I, I expect that to happen. Okay. He, he's not one that's not afraid to get forward. 
and I expect that to happen as well. And, and back up to him, I'm fully expecting to be Jeremy Ngakia, who uh, played a couple of games for West Ham in the Premier League two seasons ago, left them just uh, just at the end of David Moyes' first few months in charge and came to, came to Watford and didn't really put a foot wrong last season. And he's, unfortunately, he had a great player like Kike Femeni in front of him. And, and if if there are times where Femeni is injured and, and Ngakia comes in, he's one as well that is very quick, is will always look to get forward maybe he needs to work on his delivery a little bit more but he's a young player and I expect that to come with him as well so two full Watford of two full backs down the right hand side but, but love getting forward as much as possible and, and will support the attacker as much as they can well I guess you got also uh Miss Dan Rose coming back over to while coming back we're coming for he's had quite the journey the last few years in his football how do you see him? You know, do you think he's in a slot in, or is he going to be an agitator as he has done in the past? How are you feeling about Danny Rose? Well, there's no Amazon documentary surrounding Watford this year, That's so right. we, no we, 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 we no Mourinho as well. Unfortunately, he's in Roma, so we won't <laughs> we won't be seeing Danny Rose knocking on the door to Jusque Munoz asking him to asking him to be played <laughs> if he, if he's not being played as much. But um, I think that the Danny Rose move for Watford came quite as a surprise actually because yeah, all summer it, it it seems like Ashley Young was the player that Watford were going for to to fill that left left back role. And to potentially challenge Adam Messina and be first choice left back for Watford, and then it seemed like it was you know Watford were in talks with Ashley Young. It seemed like you know everything was going in the right direction. Ashley Young wanted to come back to Watford, then all of a sudden over a two week period, any sort of noise around that ground saw a halt. There was talk of him going to America within into Miami, I think, and then you know you had Burnley linked with him. Then all of a sudden he was going to Aston Villa, and with a day of the the news of him. In being in talks of Aston Villa, Watford had got Danny Rose signed up and and, and announced. Um, and and he, he's someone known at Vicarage Road as well. He had a loan spell when he was quite young. Oh, did he? I had um, no idea. All right. What 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 Watford have done really this summer is a lot of the players they've signed. They kind of giving second chances to players who have lost their way a little bit, and they're trying to get them back to their best. And one of the things that Danny Rose mentioned in his first interview is that he was grateful to Watford's owner because one of the first things Watford's owner said to him was that, you know, he'd been he'd been off the map and he wanted to be the person that got him back on the map, so to speak. So I expect Danny Rose to be our first choice left back this season. Okay. Adam Messina is back up. I've, I've heard we've played a couple of pre-season friendlies and I've heard Danny Rose has done quite well in some of them as well. Might be because he's not played for over a year. It might be one where he he's he may he may sort of be in and out the side to start off with and some, until he builds up his fitness. But I would fully expect as the season goes on for him to to into our first choice left back. And he right. might be one to throw him when he plays Tottenham Hotspur as well. Because <laughs> yeah, he, I'm sure he's going to have one, but he's yeah. got a lot of motivation to prove prove them wrong. All right, so Danny Rose Renaissance season at Watford. We can all look forward to that. Um, and a, all right, and let's box documentary the next. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's box defense. So I think that was good stuff. Thanks for that, Bradley. So let's come into the midfield three. So it's too bad to see Will Hughes go because I've always kind of thought him a useful player. Um, mm. We we kind of we lovingly refer to him as the ghost because of his, the paleness of his skin and his hair on our podcast. But <laughs> it sounds like he's out the door. You know, we got Chalaba cleverly kicking around. You know, that midfield three is going to be the engine room is going to be a really important unit. You know, how what are you expecting that to line up like game week one? You know, as the season progresses, that unit. It's, it's difficult because at the minute it's very very much up in the air. I mean, as you say, Will Hughes looks like he's out the door. He played for under twenty threes last week in a friendly. 
looks like he's rejected the new five-year deal with us, which would have made him one of the highest-paid players at the club. I think having a relegation cause in the area has sort of scuppered our chances of getting him signed up. So looks like he's out the door, which is a real shame. Nathaniel Chalabar is another one whose future remains up in the air at the minute as well. He's one that his contract runs out next summer too. <laughs> he's not signed a new contract yet. He's very, The latest is that he's very much assessing his options. Is he so, fit? He's he's not played in preseason. He's been he's been injured in preseason. Uh, so same old Chalaba. Building his fitness up allegedly, but okay. I think at the minute I I can't see him starting at the minute because of his contract situation. And I think if it gets to the start of the season, which is only a week or two away, and he's not signed a new deal, I can see Watford doing a similar thing to what they've done with Will Hughes and looking to try and offload him. Okay. In which case, you know, we might look to bring in another midfielder. Um, Okay, Yakuzlu, who was on loan at West Brom towards the end of last season, has been strongly linked to us, as is Morty from, from Sampdoria. They're the two midfielders who have been strongly linked to us at the minute. But uh, as things stand at the moment, and if no, no other midfielders come in, I would expect us to potentially line up with Peter Atebo, who's we've brought in on loan from Stoke uh, to, to be kind of a... Uh, one of our sitting midfielders. Uh, I would imagine Imran Luza, who's coming from, from Nantes this summer, uh, to, to be in there as well. And then the, the other the other position is in that in that three is very much up for grabs at the minute. Um, it depends who we bring in. I would imagine Yakuzli would be that if, it, if he came in there. If not, at the fittest thing stand at the minute, I would imagine Tom Cleverley to, to be in there. Very, oh, what you can imagine with Tom Cleverley, Maybe maybe playing in a more advanced position and and lo- uh, lo- loser to be the number eight and a Tebo to be the number six. I think the one thing with cleverly playing a bit more advanced is what he'll do is he'll look to put pressure on the, on the back line. He'll look yeah. to constantly run about and just be a nuisance to teams. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Watford do this season because in the Premier League, Watford's midfielders beforehand was always safe with Etienne Capou and Abdoulaye Decoré. Right. Now they've both gone. Uh, yeah. We've had to build again. And we'll feel Hughes looking set to be going, which is a big blow. And Chalaba going as well, who were two of our midfield three last season. It's going to be a, it could potentially be a new look midfield for Watford this year. Okay. So it sounds like you're expecting slash hoping for some incomings, but yeah. I mean, that does sound pretty risky. Do you feel like the manager's going to be able to end the Pazzo, you know, clan f- with their far-reaching tentacles and every league in Europe are going to just yeah. jam some guys in there and it's going to be like the heartbeat never left? Or, or how are you How are you imagining? It's, in, it's intriguing to see how things pan because um, there was a trail of thought that maybe, you know, Gisco was going to be a stopgap and he was just going to be the man that w- took to get Watford back up. And okay. then as soon as Watford got promoted, he was going to be moved out. Well, Someone else with more experience was going to come in. But that hasn't... That I mean, hasn't you think he's going to be here in January. That's clearly well, an insane I think, I thing think to think. Our, <laughs> our, our fixtures in November and December are going to be an absolute telltale thing yeah. because our fixtures in November, we play something like City, Arsenal, Chelsea, Leicester, uh, I think Arsenal are in there as well. Tough pretty run. much, uh, I think Liverpool might even be in there as well. Pretty much all back to back around November, December. So if he gets to January and he's still in charge and gets through them with a positive set of results, that's going to be huge for him. I mean, I'd have personally have liked if we were going to keep him in charge, which we have done. He certainly deserved the opportunity considering how well he did last season. I think I, if we were going to keep him in charge, which we have done, I'd have liked to have seen him have 
an experienced assistant next to him who's mm. been there okay. and done it in, in the Premier League. I don't know who that would have been, but maybe a, a manager or, or a coach who's got to get into the end of their career and, need, need, and wants to come in and, and help someone a little bit younger to, to learn his trade in the top flight. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen some Watford go that sort of Roy Hodgins available. Exactly. So, someone who can be kind of like a mentor to to to, yeah. to because he's, yeah. he's not really his managerial record is is managed in Georgia and then uh, that that league that produces a wealth of footballing talent and then uh, he's, machinists he's and uh, farmers and yeah exactly um, and his managerial record you know is, is practically not existing yeah. before he came to Watford so I, I would have liked to have seen him seen more experienced assistant coming next to him, but that yeah. hasn't happened. Yeah. I think, you know, if, if considering Watford's fixture list um, and the way that we've got a pretty favourable first month or so of the season. Very favourable. I think if we, if we were in, not in a position there where we've picked up points and we've not got, got at least 10 to 15 points on the board by the end, the end of October or the end of, end of September rather, I can see them making a change, yeah. unfortunately, because yeah. you know it's what that's they do. For, that's the life away. What they do, and there's always they've always got the next person right. lined up and ready to take over. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, a mentor for a manager would be anathema to Watford and the way they treat them, like a meat, you know, sausage grinder, right? meat churner, human, <laughs> human flesh coming in and out of that job. But well, well I wanted I think to... we're trying to set the record of how many coaches we can go through in a season. We've had four, so I wonder yeah. if we can beat it this time. Yeah, why not? Aim high. <laughs> so let's let's touch on. I think we'll we'll leave Ken Sema to the back burner, but I you know want to spend a few minutes on Sar. You know, certainly the danger man. We all saw mm. him in the Premier League with that game against Liverpool a couple of seasons ago, just torment them. And yeah, like you rightly said, you know, two summers ago, he was very, very highly rumored to to move before you guys went into your promotion season. Didn't do it, stayed. 13 goals, good amount of assist contributions. You know, he's he's the danger man. You expecting big things from him this season? Another continued step forward in his progression. Yeah, 100%. And those Liverpool rumors never never really seem to go away from us, to be honest. Every, every six months, he seems to be linked with Liverpool. Wow. There was only one the other week where they they were potentially looking at him again. Yeah. Aston Villa is another one that's come up in recent weeks, but it seems they moved, they decided to go for Leon yep. Bailey instead, yeah. which Watford fans are, are most definitely happy about, considering we, we're losing one of our main players in, in Will Hughes. We don't yeah. want to lose our best one in Ismail Assar, who really is going to be key to us staying up. Fully expect him to really give the fullbacks an, an absolute nightmare in terms of his pace. Not not shy in trying to knock it past them and run. I mean, Watford under Nigel Pearson when they they got some really good results under him. That when we were last in the Premier League, that first few months, or we started to pick up results again. Our main our main source of trying to get behind was playing it to Sar and playing the ball in behind and getting him to, to run at people. And that's what we're going to be looking to do. What we need to do more is we need to be getting more people in and around the box to get, get onto his, his cutbacks, get onto his crosses. Um, and I think one thing for him as well, we need to just improve his, his consistency with it, his, his crossing ability as well. Cause you see it a few times where he's got to the byline, he's picked his head up, but the cross has either just been behind him or, or behind the player he's aiming for, or gone over his head, or the player has not been able to, to, to latch onto it. So expecting big things of him. I mean, he's going to bring loads of pace. Um, Watford just need to get the ball to him as much as possible and look look to get him creating as well. Another one to potentially uh, to mention as well in terms of him is 
player called Chucho Hernandez, who is Colombian, and he's been on Watford's books for a couple of years, um, but been out alone. But he's very much highly rated, impressed a lot in pre-season. He's one that brings a lot of flair as well. Gone for the Sergio Aguero look with bleached, bleached blonde oh, hair as well. I love on top. that. Uh, he's he's attempted three bicycle. He's attempted two bicycle kicks in a pre-season friendly. All right. Really, really seemed like he had a good understanding with Saar and, and Dini in that game in the pre-season game as well. So could he play on he, the left? Uh, he could be certainly be one to play on the left okay. for sure. Sema he, certainly even, looks even like he one could to be play maybe in midfield as well. Okay, gotcha. Okay, all right, cool. So. You know, we all know what Josh King is and who he is, as well as Troy Dean. I think we don't need to waste any any time on that. But Jao Pedro, I've sort of been a little bit personally perverse over, you know, watching him play. And he's, to me, you know, personally, those kinds of small, you know, tricky players who can kind of do all the little bits are so interesting to me. And, you know, thinking about him playing at nine, I mean, do you feel like he can legitimately do that in the prem or do you think he's going to just get not like physically brutalized you know how do you imagine him kind of playing that playing out this season well for a young a teenage brazilian yad being thrown into the championship last yeah. season was a huge test for him and to be fair he never he never looked out of place he really cool. stood up in terms of his physicality and whenever there was any sort of pressure or tension boiling on the pitch and players pushing and shoving each other he was one of the first flying in and looking uh, to try and have a punch up with the opposition. So he's got a little well. Mark so Noble in him. Okay, he's, he's got a he's got a little bit about him. He's not afraid to get stuck in. He really works hard, Great. and as you say, he's got that little bit of flair about him as well. He, he's got a bit of skill. He's he's got some lovely bit moments of skill where he's nutmeg players last year or or play some really intricate passes in behind. Other Watford players haven't noticed because they've not been on the same wavelength as him, and he's just gone completely outside of the box and played a pass that, you, you, if anyone like in the Premier League, like Bruno Fernandes or someone like that has played, then everyone will be waxing lyrical over. Sure. So he's he's someone that the goals dried up for him towards the end of last season, but he was getting in the right positions, just snatching opportunities a little bit. But there is one hell of a player in there, and I think Watford, you know. In terms of his development, he really—I I love him to be our, our starting striker this year because <laughs> he's—he can—he's—he's he's useful in the air. You know, he can—he can score. Got, he's got a real bit of flair about him. I mean, I don't know if you scored his see his goal against Derby County last season, where he just picked the ball up on the edge of the box, nothing on, and he just caressed it into the top yeah. corner. Unbelievable finish. So he can—he can score goals from outside of the box. He can score in the box. Decent penalty taker as well. Scored some real big pressure penalties for Watford last season too. He's He's got everything to be a top player. It's just about bringing out that consistency in him now. And I think with yeah. time, that will come. I think if he can get 10 goals this season or around that sort of ballpark like he did last year, yeah. that'll be a great first season for him. And if, he can, if we can stay up and then look to go again the following year, then I think you're going to see some player. I think... I wouldn't at all be surprised if big teams looking at him or, or teams towards the top half are, are having their eyes on him towards the end of this season. Okay. It's really, really exciting. Yeah, I mean, I guess we do have to talk about Josh King. I, are you? Do you view him as a depth buy to, to cover Pe- Joe Pedro because the season is long and there are a lot of minutes to be played? Or do you imagine that they're going to kind of be in a timeshare? Or what, Do you have any, any read on that situation? I, 
I, I, I can see him being used anywhere across that front line because he has played out wide before at Bournemouth. I mean, you know, King on the he, left he, of a four three three is maybe a big ask. I don't know if he could do that job. You, you no, think he could? I think he, he can maybe be back up to start if we needed him to play on the right hand side. Yeah. I think we we could maybe see him fitting over there. I mean, he didn't really get off Everton's subs bench last season. Yeah. You know, he's had, had a pop at Cole Ancelotti in, in the summer since. But there's another side <laughs> yeah, that great... really came out of the blue. It wasn't wasn't really any sort of link to him right. and an hour before he signed you know Watford are in talk to John King and then an hour later he's got he's just signed a two-year contract with us so another player with a point to prove yeah. you know didn't, didn't get his big move when he wanted to at Bournemouth despite him feeling he could make that step up uh, really struggled yeah. after that considering he, he didn't really want to play in the championship thought yeah. he was going to play with Everton never got an opportunity so another with a no, point or to he prove. wasn't good enough or oh, 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 he wasn't good enough, exactly. <laughs> Another other point to prove, always, ha- always had a habit of scoring against Watford at Bournemouth. So okay. I'm hoping if he does get on the pitch for us, he's going he's gonna to fight. He might actually okay. score some for us for a right, change. So, uh, okay. But another that brings plenty of pace to Watford's forward, forward sure. line and a good option if called upon. Probably a, maybe a, a sub as you stay to start off with, but and I imagine considering he's joined up fairly late in pre-season, he's only really been getting half an hour, 40 minutes in pre-season so far. So yeah. can't see him starting the first okay. few games of the season. But maybe as the season goes on and we've got injuries coming in, he's going to be, I would imagine him to be certainly okay. in and around that starting lineup. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Josh King, we'll see where that goes. So I think that's about it for today, man. That was pretty... Uh... Pretty ex- pretty exhaustive, I think, of the uh, the Watford. I mean, there is one thing about your team: you have a lot of players right now. So we'll see what the squad looks like, you know, in a couple weeks. And the best know, mascot in the Premier League with Harry the Hornet too. <laughs> okay, Horny Harry. Here we go. Um, <laughs> thank you, you know, thank you so much for coming on, talking Watford. You know, giving our listeners a you know a plugged in view of the the, mat, the players, the, the system, the the outlook for the season. Really, really enjoyed having you on, Bradley. And you know, before you get out of here, where can people find you? Where can people kind of communicate with you? Uh, they can find me on at Bradley Hayden Eleven on Twitter. So if you've got any questions here, what for the fantasy team, or you want to know, you know who's uh, you want to know who's playing or whatever, feel free to, to send send any questions over. Right on. All right, Bradley. Thanks a lot. Take care, man. No worries. Okay, I'm very pleased to be joined by Jerry Jameson. He's a Norwich City Ultra season ticket holder, absolute legend, friend of the pod. Welcome, Jerry. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, no, not bad. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we're going to get straight into Norwich City. Last season, 97 points, walked the championship. So take us through kind of how it looked last season. I know you weren't at the ground, obviously, but from your couch, you know, how how did the season go for you guys with Farka? It's funny, you, you asked me this and I thought, geez, it feels like a long time ago already last season with um, COVID and all of that. In a slightly classic Norwich style, we started, I mean, we ended up winning by 97 points, but we started fairly slowly. It was covid and we had a fair amount of players who wanted to leave. You know, Buendia, with Cantwell, you had Aaron's who all got ridiculously big bids from yeah. various places. So I meant for the first like couple of months of the season, well, probably first month, month and a half, we were struggling a bit, um, still picking up some points, but not looking particularly fluent at all. Um, but yeah, then from about October, um, we just started winning all of our games, quite frankly. Um, and we people were getting quite excited because they thought we might get 100 points and we just fell short of that. But uh, yeah. yeah. 
Okay. So you guys kind of played more more four two three one. It seems like from what I was doing my research. Obviously, I didn't watch ton ton of you guys. But what what kind of you know a lot of familiar faces. Right? We saw you guys two years ago. You know, still at Cantwell. Buendia, you mentioned, who's you know now a villain property. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Pookie's still there. You know, how how did it look? You know, stylistically. So ever since you've been at the club, Daniel Fark has done the exact same sort of base formation, which is, as you say, 4-2-3-1, four at the back, two midfielders, one a really defensive midfielder, so Tetty when we were in the Prem, and Skip last season, who was a massive upgrade. Um, and then the other midfielders sort of, you know, box to box, doing whatever he wants to do. And then three cams behind the striker. Um, and we stuck with, that. that's the formation that got us promoted first time round with a million goals and conceding a million goals. Yeah, sure. Scoring their goals and conceding twenty five thousand. Um, it's <laughs> a lot. Last season, last season it was the same formation, but definitely a slightly different approach. We went much well, not much more defensive, but we scored far fewer goals and conceded far fewer. I think the first time we went up, we conceded fifty five goals or something like that, and then this time it's been thirty six. Um, so it's the same base formation, but just I think. It's probably the two central midfielders that are sort of much more reined in. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you guys had, I mean, that's a good transition. We could start talking about the defense. You guys had 18 cleans last year, you know, 46 game played. So, you know, pretty decent. You know, not, you know, about 40, 40-ish percent of the games you're cleaning. And yeah, you mentioned Skip. I mean, he's back at Spurs. Um, it's, it seems like Gilmore's in. Yeah. I mean, is that a, we, we got to, I guess, start with just the lack of incomings you know, has to be a concern at this point, right? Season starts in two weeks. Um, you got Emmy out, you know, it's going to be hard to replace. Fullbacks yeah. in place. You got a couple of, you know, questionable center backs in the Premier League. You know, I guess Gibson's done it a little bit before. Hanley's not getting younger. I mean, how, how do you feel about the defensive prospects going into the season? So I actually think that, I mean, in terms of, a, you know, are we going to be a good defense for the league? The answer is probably not. But in terms of Norwich, I think we're actually all pretty happy about certainly our starting um, defensive line. You've got Aaron's and Yanulis um, at the left and right back are stunning, really good, you know, the best we've had in a long time. And actually, I know Hanley had a bit of a shocker last season, um, but him and Gibson formed one of the best partnerships that I think a lot of us have seen in the championship. And for the first time in what feels like ages, Hanley was fit to play 30 odd matches in the season. Um, so I think as long as all of them stay fit, which is absolutely not a given. Norwich fans would be quite pleased. Okay. The worries come if one or two or three of those people get injured. You know, you're relying on an 18-year-old um, to lead the line at centre-back. You're relying on God knows who, are, you know, left and right back. So our, our first starting four is, is pretty decent, but beyond that, it gets a bit ropey. Okay. And, I mean, in terms of, yeah, the backups, you buyer them, I guess, can play either full-back slot and yeah. I think... Oma Bamadeli, the he's so he's an interesting one because he's four zero in the game. Yeah. Can you speak to you know Hanley? I think is it Hanley that's kind of not in right now, or is it get one of them's not ready? Right? I I'm not sure either of them has played a minute preseason yet, but I think they're both supposed to be ready. Gibson okay. had a t- or something like that, but they okay. will, they will both absolutely be starting. Okay, you know, so that's more training. of a pipe dream. Yeah, I think okay. so. I mean, okay. there's a question as to whether Oma Bamadeli is first or second backup, but he's certainly not a starter. 
Yeah. Okay. And I mean, Gibson is an interesting one because he kind of fell from grace. Or he was at Burrow a couple seasons ago, and he was kind of touted as some some type of future. And then, you know, things seem to fall apart at Burnley, and you know, me and Tarko don't really go anywhere. It's like Deitch's best friends. Is Gibson, you know, you see him maybe really stepping forward in the Premier League and being able to show that he can he can do it, and he's kind of the one. Yeah, massively. I mean, I mean, to be honest, at the moment, our our best centre back. A lot of people would say it's Grant Hanley, and that's not... That is mind-blowing to me. Bad. It's that <laughs> Hanley has genuinely improved massively. Wow, okay. Much more consistent. Um, but, yeah, Gibson has been stunning. I don't know what went wrong for him at Burnley. Him and Dyke yeah. just hate each other for some reason. Yeah. Um, he couldn't but, make a Gibson-y. He didn't like the you know the nickname he couldn't come up with, maybe. Gibbo didn't quite get it. No, um, no, no. But, yeah, I mean, we bought him for six million or something like that. Is in, like known to buy with an obligation if we got promoted. And I think all Norwich fans would say that's a that's a bargain. If he can yeah. do, obviously he's not playing against, you know, Aguero. Well, he won't be playing against Aguero this season, but he's not playing against top tier strikers Take- in the championship. But if he can yeah. do what he did last season, um, we'll be really pleased. Okay. So, I mean, it sounds like injuries, you gotta got to keep away from the injury bug because, yeah, the, the backups are a big drop-off. I do want to yeah. also just touch on Max Aarons. I mean, he's... Seems a lot more creative than Janulis, the the left back. Do you think he's going to be able to actually get some attacking sets, or do you think he's going to be too shackled because you're in the prem? And you know, do you, do you think he's going to be like an FPL option, or do you think it's just? Nah. I the really helpful answer is I don't know. Um, we'll come on to it later, but it will slightly depend on what our formation looks like. Okay, There's a lot of um, you know talk that we might shift to a sort of narrow formation up front, which would then obviously allow Yanulis and Aaron to basically bomb up the pitch a lot more. For width, Not that sure. to be honest with you, in our current formation, they're particularly shackled. I just, Aaron's is a stunning right back. If he gets held, he'll go for 30, 40 million. But um, for FPL, you know, picks, he, he tends to, you know, assist the assist and that sort of thing. So he tends to do a ton of ball progressions, a ton of good stuff, but actually... You know, last season he got what, two assists and a goal or something like that. I don't know his exact stats, but he's never been a prolific, you know, point no, scorer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then before moving over to midfield attack, I mean, you got a good four-five-four-zero goalkeeper combo with Kroll and, and Gunn is in. I mean, is is do you think that there's going to be any value there in terms of just making a ton of saves? And you know, I know that you you guys don't play at the back, right? We do play out the back. You do? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I mean, that could be also, I guess, good for bonus point purposes, right? If, if Kroll hits that pass completion stuff. But, I mean, do you think, because when I look at it, I'm thinking more of, okay, maybe the goalkeeper combo is a place to go instead of the, the defenders because of the saves and maybe because if he's if Kroll ends up being good on bonus and we know he's good at saving pens. Yeah. Do you, are yeah. you interested in that at all? I am. I mean, I don't know. The, the problem is you just come back to, we are a promoted team and we might just have another terrible defense. Right. Um, but certainly the two goalkeepers, you know, if we can be slightly more tight at the back than we were last time, which hopefully shouldn't be that hard. Yeah, well, comparing yeah. it to that bar is pretty low, but yeah. Krill saves a ridiculous amount of penalties. So that's, yeah. you know, he'll probably save two penalties next season. I think he saved mm-hmm. three or four season we went up, although half those had to be retaken. Um, but actually, I think even if you don't like Krill or Norwich defence and who would blame you, um, Gunn is probably, I reckon, the best 4.0 goalie pick in the game just because every season we've had Krull, he's been out for five, six, seven games at some point with an injury. You know, he's like 36 or something like that. Yeah. Um, so Gunn will get 
a lot of minutes. Um, okay. At some point. So admittedly, okay. that might be converting into two pointers. Okay. Okay. So let's let's shift our our focus up the pitch. So midfield, you know. Yeah, losing Emmy is rough, right? I mean, he was the creative hub, and he obviously flopped badly when you guys were up last time. I, you know, there were a lot of circumstances for that. We probably don't need to get into the details there. But, you know, he left, and Skip left, who, as you mentioned earlier, was kind of that rock at the base of midfield in front of the shielding the back four. You know, you got Rashika in. You know, I definitely want to spend a few minutes on him, but just generally speaking, I mean, are you expecting more incomings? Like, what's the what's the talk around around Norwich around Norwich Town? I think we are we're expecting another midfielder and another sort of striker, left winger. We okay. link left winger today. Who I don't know if we'll get or not, but yeah, I think they want to spend probably fifteen million or something if they're buying both of them um, together another midfielder and another, um, you know, offensive player. Okay. The question is, you know, Skip left and that was great because he, you know, he was up in the midfield and he was a defensive one. Um, but there's been a lot of murmurs going on that we might not play an out and out defensive midfielder this season. Wow. And okay. whereas we used to play, you know, two central midfielders behind three cams, um, just drop the number 10 back into midfield. And so basically play, I mean, either a Christmas tree, 4-3-2-1, or just 4-3-3, um, mm-hmm. which would eliminate the need for someone, you know, someone like Skip just to shield the defence. And actually you can play three sort of box-to-box midfielders um, there. And you think so, that's kind of the idea of Gilmore? That that's, yeah, the, yeah, that's yeah. the leaning towards that, that he could be one of those engine rooms but also get forward? Yeah, exactly. So I think Gilmore could play in the two, but obviously not as, as the defensive guy in the two. Right. Um but I suspect because, you know, we've now got Gilmore in the team and we'll want to fit him in any way we can, especially if we don't manage to resize Skip on loan, which is looking unlikely, yeah. and yeah. or sign a decent CDM. Um, who knows? I don't think any Norwich fan knows at the moment, but I would say that's probably more likely than not. We might play three in the midfield, um, okay. in which case that will give each of them, you know, a bit of room to go forward. Um, so no one is just absolutely being the defensive guy. So who would those three be? I mean, Gilmore, Rupp, and... Gilmore, one of them. McLean, Kenny McLean, definitely one of them, as long as he's come back fine from his injury. Um, Kenny Kenny McLean, holy shit, he's still there. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He's called a man city. He's a great player. Um, (laughs) Great player. Great player. You heard it from Jerry. Kenny McLean, great player. (laughs) I didn't hear first. Um, And yeah. And Rupp, I thought. I'm sure I'm forgetting. Okay. I'm sure I forget. Well, I don't know. We just had a guy called Lise Malou who actually looks really exciting. He's a yeah. So depending Maybe on him. how good he turns out to be, it could be him. Okay. So does that leave like Dowell out in the cold and it would just be Rashika and Cantwell flanking Pookie? Flanking Pookie. I suppose so. I mean, it's hard because Dowell finished last season really, really well. Mm-hmm. And if we keep our old formation, he will absolutely be starting behind the striker in that central cam. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suspect if we we shift those three attacking midfielders to two, you know, you're not going to drop Cantwell and Rashidza is almost certainly going to start, you know, once he's up to speed. So yeah, I suppose, yeah, I mean, that was expensive as he is, but I'd be worried about his minutes if you were okay. Okay. building to get to him, put it that way. So let's, let's, 
talk about Rashika and or Rashid, you said it said it way better than me. I'll just defer to you I, on I the pronunciation. Say I say Rashid. <laughs> okay. And and Todd. So you know, Todd was a darling two years ago in fantasy because he was four or five, and everyone has had experiences with him. He's you know another year progressing in his development. Do you do you think he could you know bang like ten, or do you think that would be like the goal for him? Absolutely. Well. Never say never. I think he's one of these players that is better in the Premier League than he is in the Championship, almost. Um, Less shithousery and more space. Yeah, exactly. And actually, he's really intelligent on the ball and he sort of needs intelligent defenders where he should get these shithouses in the Championship that just run into him. Yeah. Um, I mean, 10 is a lot of goals to score. We'd be quite happy if Pookie scored 10, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, 15 returns, six or seven goals, six or seven assists. Yeah. Eight, eight, seven, seven, yeah. Yeah, if we're going to stay up or something like that, you know, they've got to come from someone and Todd's probably the man to do it. Okay. I mean, it will will depend how attacking or defensive and or cohesive we are. You know, start of our last Premier League season, we were scoring three goals a game and the end of it, we scored zero goals in 10 games. So um, it sort of depends what Parker's mentality is going to be. Okay. What do you know about your new right winger over there, Rashika? Are you is Very that exciting? Very little. I mean, he's you know coming over from Germany. He's coming from Germany. Yeah, I've only seen him like three, maybe three games back when COVID, when the Bundesliga was the only show in town. I you know I caught him a couple of times, and he's you know, he's he's got something about him. I mean, he's yeah. kind of an exciting one, and it seems like he fits a good like that good some that you paid for him for like a team like Norwich, you know, could, could do some things. I mean, gotta be a little bit excited about him. Yeah. I think we're, we're super excited about him. I mean, he, he will slot in where Buendia played um, on that right wing, but he's very much not going to be a like for like replacement. You know, he's not going to yeah. be sitting midfield getting the assist. He will be that second striker behind Puki mm-hmm. making the runs in. Um, and I think he might signal a bit of a shift of mentality from front foot, trying to control the, ball um to actually maybe sitting back absorbing a bit of pressure and then going on the counter-attack yeah so if you have him and Puki, who are both quick and are both you know good between the lines and you know Todd feeding them or three midfielders feeding them you know that could be quite promising and most of the other people that we've been linked with attackers wise are these quite speedy strikers or left wingers so i suspect receipts are my out of todd or receipts are probably represent the best value because he will be that second striker. He'll be in a lot more goal scoring opportunities if all things go according to plan yeah. than Todd will. Yeah, I mean it sounds like more goals from Rashita and more assists from Todd, you know, kind of getting the ball halfway and, and Todd progressing it to the box and that's then that's where Puki or, or Rashita might Yeah, I mean when you're saying that out loud, I'm imagining in my head like how that could look. And I mean, it does sound very like palacy because that's kind of what we have been doing for a few years under Roy. And I mean, it keeps us up. So, yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so we'll see. Who knows? But yeah. I, it, it will, it's, it's hard to do this now because there's, there are two completely different ways that Norwich could play this season. Yeah. Um, one which would ensure that you get sent down, <laughs> one which gives you a fighting chance of staying up. Far, only Farka knows. Exactly. So let's let's spend just the last couple minutes here on on Timu, the the Finnish lad, six million in the game. You know, he's cheapest starting forward, like other than maybe you know Jao Pedro's if he if he's starting. But you know, he had eleven goals last last time you were up. 
they all came in like the first five weeks <laughs> and then he didn't score at all. What do you think? Value? Yeah. Eh. It's hard. I mean, he's, he, he had a shocking Euros because Finland basically played him through an injury. Um, but he looks like he's over that in preseason and he looks quite sharp in preseason. If Norwich are a cohesive side and we actually play football as opposed to the back half of last Premier League season where we didn't, you know, Pukki is the person that everyone is aiming for with the passes and he will score 40% of our goals. Yeah, and even if we're scoring, you know, less than a goal a game, he's still going to bang a fair few in. Um, One and three. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, no one has him in their starting team. um, The fixtures. But he's definitely one to watch. And if Norwich do look like they're going to be quite competent, it it will all be going through Timo Buki. Do you know what I mean? It's quite hard not to score goals if you're in that sort of starting position and you get to the places that Timo gets himself to on the pitch Yeah, with this Norwich team because everything is going directly towards him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on pens. I mean, tip of the spear very much, right? And there's no one taking up his space. And yeah, but, and, you know, we haven't talked about the fixtures. I mean, this is sort of more of an overview rather than, you know, game week one, who to get, but Liverpool, City, Leicester, Arsenal, first four schedule yeah. makers had it in it for is. you guys. What'd you do? It's uh I just think they're sick of seeing us, quite frankly. We've been promoted and relegated so many times. Um, yeah. yeah. Who knows? It's not ideal. I mean, we will have zero points from our first four games. Um, I mean, if you had, if, I guess like one point would be a success, right? One point, we'd be absolutely flying with one yeah. point. <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't know about flying, but <laughs> flying. <laughs> if, if we score two goals, I'll be quite impressed in those first four games. I mean, yeah. it, it might not be a bad thing. We've had half of our preseason. Um, ruined because of COVID. Um, so yeah. we haven't played this match for the last like week and a half. Um, so actually, some people are saying, well, quite frankly, we're not going to win any of those matches anyway. It's yeah. better than coming in cold to like a must-win relegation battle on yeah. your first day. You can just take yeah. some minutes. No, I mean, that's a really good point. Yeah, you'd almost prefer this than like Watford... Burnley, Leeds, Southampton or something where you, you know, you want to pick up six points from those four or something like that. But yeah, yeah it could yeah. be though. I guess the other side of that coin is, you know, if you guys are just getting straight up battered and dismantled for a month, you know, what, how does that feel in the room? Yeah. Well, we'll see. Exactly. Um, I don't think the fans will turn that quickly. Um, but yeah, if we lose five nil three times in a row, it's not going to be. Not yeah. Be All right. So, I mean, a successful season is just staying up, right? Yeah, I mean, Farkas said if you offered him 17th, he'd say no because he wants to, you know, almost euros or something like that. Um, yeah, 17th would be an absolutely stunning um, Managers lie. Who knew? Farkas, a manager. <laughs> he'd rip your fucking head off for 17th place. <laughs> All right, Jerry. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Fingers crossed. You heard yeah. it first. Cookie to score 12 goals. 12. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like a reasonable target. One better. Jerry? Thank you very much for coming on. I think that was a really nice and tidy kind of run through of the squad and the team and love it. Absolutely loved it. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. Joined next by Billy Grant of the B Sodded Brentford podcast. We're going to be talking about Brentford here. Uh, we saw them come up last year in the championship, winning the promotion playoffs over Bournemouth, five goals to one. Before we get into the football, Billy, thanks for coming on. Pleasure to have you. How are you doing? Right. 
Not bad, Adam. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on your podcast as well. Like I said, this is a well, it's a bit of, bit of a strange one for us because if anyone knows anything about Brentford, we're not going to be anywhere near the Premier League for I've been supporting them for forty odd years, and we're always in like the the fourth tier, the third tier. Yeah. You know, we've been in the second tier for you know for about six or seven years now. So uh, you know, but that's it. But we're a tiny, tiny little club. Um, with minuscule amount of money compared to the rest of these guys. So for me to be anywhere near the Premier League and to be actually talking on a Premier League podcast is uh, is quite unusual. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I mean, I guess and we could talk about the A-team-B team stuff, but maybe we'll save that for maybe a future podcast. But yeah, you guys have had a revolution of kind of sorts and, you know, kind of progressing a new way of coming up the tiers, I guess. And, you know, you got an innovative manager and, you know, an innovative club. So it's really exciting, I think, to see you. We saw two years ago, you guys getting kind of very close, right? That must have been very difficult for you guys to take. So, so close to promotion. But, you know, last year you guys did it. So how'd the season go? You know, how, how did it, you know, finishing on 87 points, four points out of that automatic spot? You know, how, how did you, how would you summarize your season? Last season was, a, listen, last season was, obviously it was good, it worked out well in the end, but it, it could have been quite frustrating because the ironic thing about last season is that we were actually doing better than the seasons before. Um, overall, in, in pretty much all the areas, even though when you looked at the football that we were playing, what we weren't is that we weren't the same kind of, um, we, were, we were a lot more, we were a lot prettier in the eye the season before. So the season before was uh, the season where we, we did fairly well and then we sort of peed off a little bit. Then the pandemic came, shut everything down for three or four months. And when we came back, we were on fire and we won every single game going into the end of the season. And typically we lost our last two, which means that we lost, we lost out on automatic promotion by one point. Um, but we had Ollie Watkins playing for us who, yep. you know, at the time I predicted was going to play for England. I said, he's brilliant. So if we go up, he's going to play for England. And I, I'll go to all the England tournaments. I've been to 15 tournaments with England. So to actually see a tournament with a Brentford player playing in, I was yeah. so excited. So the fact that he didn't, we didn't go up, which meant that we knew he was going to leave was a gutter. He scored I can't remember, 28 goals or something like that. We had Ben Rama, who was like this, the magician on mm-hmm. the side as well, scored, I think, 14 or 16 goals, 14 goals, something like that, or 12 goals. But he's, but again, he was just a brilliant player, unlocked defences. Then we had Brian Bumo as well, who, again, you know, from the wing, he scored 14 goals and had a load of assists. And then we also had Joshua Silva, who from midfield has scored 14 on goals. So we were, like, properly on fire. The team that everyone just said, this is the team to beat. We look brilliant, you know, but the fact is that we went on this run and this is like not last of the season before that we went on a run, you know, everyone says that we bowled it at the end because again, you know, if, if your people out there don't know Brentford the team that I support have been in the playoffs nine times up until that point, And they'd lost every single playoff nine out of nine, That's including brutal, that one. Man. And I've been at every single one on the terraces behind the goal, seeing them lose every single one. <laughs> oh so God. for me, it was, uh, it was one of those killers. And also, we lost to, to Fulham in the final as well. And Fulham are our big rivals. It's just, yeah. you know, it's just that they are our big rivals. Everyone says, you know, Fulham, but Fulham don't have any rivals. But, you know, we're talking about going back to the 80s and the 90s, two teams in West London, you know, literally a, a boat ride away down the river, you know, kind of like, you know, half an hour down the river and on a boat because we normally take boats to Fulham. We don't even take the bus or the, or the train, you know, <laughs> we just jump on a boat from Brentford, which is on the river, <laughs> yeah. sail down to Fulham, like, you know, the yeah. Armada and, and literally just take the place <laughs> the over. Armada. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't go down particularly well, but we, we, it is a little bit of a takeover of Brentford and, and we enjoy it every time. And, and the reason why we love it is that we, I don't think we've actually lost 
there in you know in in about 20 odd years like you know in the in the last sort of six seasons we've played them or seven seasons we pretty much won or drawed every match at Fulham so we love going to Craven Cottage but to play them in the final it was a little bit of like oh, we can't lose to Fulham we can't oh, no we've just yeah. lost to Fulham Joe Bryan you know, so does that was, things yeah, yeah that that's right you know but it was one of those things and we were we were unlucky so we had to kind of come back the following year knowing that we we're going to lose Ben Rama knowing mm-hmm. that we we're going to lose Watkins mm-hmm. knowing that you know Bumo is not going to have his friends with him, you know, his, mm-hmm. you know, his French friend, you know, as in Ben Rama has disappeared, like, you know what I'm saying? So he's going to be on his own. So it was a bit of a rebuild. And then obviously with Brentford, you know, they use the, I mean, you guys know it from, they call it money ball. I mean, our owner hates that saying because he says it's a little bit more sophisticated than that. Uh, but we use better the system than money ball. All right. All right, yeah, buddy. Yeah. He, he, he uses his sophisticated way to buy players um, who are, who are unknown because he owns a betting company and that betting company has lots of stats. So he decided when he took the company, the, the club over and he's a Brentford fan, by the way, he's a, he, 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 he grew up, supported Brentford from a kid, used to bunk off school to go and watch them play, you know, went through the business, you know, became, you know, very, uh, a big sort of banker, mathematician, you know, just clever bloke, invented his own system. And then he's got his own company, which basically, you know, just, he's got, just got a bank of statisticians like PhDs and all this lot that just kind of just get this stats and, just crunch sporting stats from around the world and they just watch football games, sporting games all around the world. So we just said, look, tell you what, I'll buy a football club. I can use this information to actually, uh, to, to find players that no one else really knows. Like, and we can get them pretty cheap and then we could just get them to be better. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, we can, um, that we could actually do really well. So he, he, he did that and he's taken him about sort of 10 years to put it into place. You know, he started in around about 2000 and 2010, 2011. Slowly, slowly, we were getting better and better as we kind of got promoted from the third tier, you know, the first division to the, the championship. And then we spent years in the championship just getting better and better, buying players, losing players and stuff like, you know. So the reason why I'm saying that is that that year that we lost those players, you know, the Ollie Watkins and that, you know, he, they said, don't worry. We're going to buy another player, striker who's better, you know, Ivan Tony. And we were like, okay, you've done it before. You did it with Andre Gray. We sold him. And then we got, you know, um, Scott Hogan. And then he scored a load of goals and you sold him. And then you got, you know, was it Lassie Vibe? Then he scored a load of goals. And then you got, who is it next? Malpay. And then he scored a load of goals. You sold him. Then you got, you know, Ollie Watkins. Uh, you seem to know what you're doing. So we were a little bit relaxed about that. And that season we come back. And obviously, Ivan Tony has been brilliant. And he was scoring the goals, but we weren't as pleasing on the eye this year as we were last year. But defensively, we were stronger because I think Thomas Frank realised that, you know, last season, even though we were decent defensively, we we let ourselves down a few times. So he just said, let's concentrate on getting ourselves defensively better and let's stop letting in goals on the break. Because we were doing that quite a lot where we'd, uh, we'd go on the attack give the ball away, letting the goal on the break, somebody like Nottingham Forest, nick a goal 1-0, go two banks of four, and we, um, we we couldn't get the goal back. So we were better at dealing with that. Up front, we were creating chances and Ivan Stoney was putting them in the back of the net. Um, the other players weren't scoring as many goals as the, as the players around him though, but he was scoring a lot of goals. And in general, you know, if you looked at all the stats, we were actually a better side. And at the end of the season, we actually finished with more points in third place this year than we did in 
third place last year. We finished on 87 points this year. Last year, we finished on 82 points, I think it was. And West Brom went up automatically on 83 points. So they actually had three points less than us and they got automatic promotion. So looking at everything, you know, we were a better side, even though we we still had to go through the gamble of the playoffs and us going through all that again, like, you know, thinking, oh, no, we've done better than last year and then we've got to go in for the 10th time and, you know, it's not going to happen again. But um, at the end, it it all worked out nice in the end. Ivan Tony was great. The defence was great. You know, we had a little, few little dodgy periods where we had a few injuries. Key players like Josh De Silva was injured. Sure. Um, Rico Henry, who's a massively key left-back player for us as well, he got injured as well. Yeah. Obviously, Nord at the beginning of the season was injured as well. So that actually resulted in us, you know, having a bit of a digi start to the season where we, I think we ended up 18th by November. So we actually came from actually quite a low position to, to actually get to where we were. So we had quite a few kind of situations which could have um, railroaded us, but we, 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 we rode those out. And in the end, we, we came good in the end. And, uh, and, and, and this is with all due respect to Swansea, you know, we were a better team than Swansea. Yeah. Over, fuck Swansea. We don't even respect know, them. You know, but I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, I'll say there's a football fan. You've got, <laughs> you know, you've got to be respectful to them and, you know, gotcha. and, and all respect to, to Watford, you know, they, did well because they changed their manager but you know yeah. I, I, I say that we could have taken on Watford at any time and Norwich were Norwich you know they, they did alright Norwich did but you know I, I you know I, I you know listen they did what they had to do which is all good but listen we went up we went up through the playoffs we were lucky enough to go through the playoffs where obviously the pandemic meant that you could not go to games at all right. um, for a year and the year that through Fulham we would have gone up to the Premier League without seeing a game, without being on the terraces, without watching, going to Man United and to Liverpool, to all these places. We just watched it all on TV. And for a fan who has never been to these places with your team, that's not what you want to do. So to be quite honest with you, it all worked out nicely in worked the end. We had to come there back, watch it on TV. And then we were, went back for the semi-final against Bournemouth in the stadium, sung our hearts out, whipped the ball in the back of the net, sung it into the back of the net, went to Wembley, sang at Wembley. And it all worked out in the end. So yeah, yeah. that is Up what I want to say to you. Yeah, the, okay. the plan worked out. The, the, the plan, the, our the plan worked out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, you know, looking forward to this season. Last year, it looks like you guys were kind of in a 4-3-3 for a while. So formation-wise, towards the end of the season, you kind of wanted to more of like a 3-4-1-2 with, you know, kind of wing-back-y situation. What are you anticipating coming up this year in terms of that formation? You think you're going to go three at the back with the new signing of the tall guy from Celtic? Or what are you, what are you looking at? I think we're going to tell you something. It's going to be, I think we're going to be flexible, which is, flexible. I think, which is really good. Yeah. Okay. We're going to be flexible because what happened was last season, we had to go three at the back because, um, because we lost some players and uh, what happened is around about February, March, all of a sudden teams, I wouldn't say they sussed us out, but they were getting results against us, against the grain. And, uh, and we were beginning to slip away a little bit and we had to change things up. We, we went, we went three at the back, I think the season before, a couple of seasons before, and, um, and and when Dean Smith was our manager, who's now um, Aston Villa's manager, yep. went through at the back. And it helped to shore us up for a while, yeah. um, but it kind of wasn't really our style. So we flipped back to the way that we go, you know, 4-3-3, three, three, um, which is which is Brentford style. But again, mm-hmm. we noticed that this was causing us problems. So we actually went three at the back to shore things up for us and to stop leaking the goals that we we're getting in to see if we, at least we can sort of kind of get a point in of like you know losing games and also nick, nick the three points and it really really worked for us so um and especially with the personnel that we had the time with the injuries so what's happened is that this next season 
I think what's happened is that they they, they realise that we can play that style of football. We've we put it done it in training. We've got the players who know that style of football as well. But at the same time, we also can play um, again four three three. The new guy Aja that we've just got from Celtic, who is apparently meant to be a brilliant player. You know, he's played Champions League football. He's played Europa League football. He's played for Celtic. You know, um, he's going to be playing. You know, again, this is with all due respect with with us with Brentford. And he's going to be playing the Premier League, which is you know going up a level. So he's yep. got things to learn. Sure. But from what I can gather, he's a ball playing centre back. Yeah. So he's a centre back who take the ball, take it out of defence. And uh, and that's gonna that, that that is how we like to play. That's how we've always wanted to play. Mm-hmm. I think last season we decided that we wanted to just kind of just make sure that we just kept the ball out the net. You yeah. know, we had good in the air. You know, yeah, good yeah, at tackling. You know, that kind of thing. You know, yeah, and moving um, up a level, it's good to know that you can do that against the top six if you got to kind of throw an extra center back on and be a little bit more consolidating, right? That's right. That's 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 what you need to do. But again, talking to Celtic, I mean, they play four. They actually play four at the back, right? You know, but also he is flexible in the fact that he plays in century. He plays in midfield, and he also plays at right back as well. So it almost seems that he could be a player that could play at the right of the three. He could play at the centre of the three. He could possibly play right back if you need a a, a stand in. I mean, at the moment now we haven't got a right back because our right back Dalsgaard, he left at the end of the season to go to Brentford's sister club, which is FC Michelin, who ironically just beat Celtic last week um, in the uh, in the Champions uh, League. So uh, he's gone there on a free transfer, which kind of works out well for our owner because he's yeah. a great player. So we're looking for a. I think we're going to be looking for a right, a right back. back there. Okay, that's know. an incoming so, you're yeah. expecting. That's right, but that's. I think that's. I think that's where we're going to be. I think you're going to see some flexibility from Brentford. The okay. one thing that I will say is that obviously, you know, I I, I podcast for the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, which you can catch on Pride of West London, and we're again we're we're quite left field in the fact that we've got great relationship with you know speak to the owners, speak to the directors, speak to everybody. They all speak to us, and you know, and and we kind of know a lot of stuff that's going on a lot of the time. And uh, you know, I rang up the director of football a couple of weeks ago, or just before the European Championships, and said to him, "Listen, you want to come down the pub with us? Um, you know, both you, you and your co-director of football, and let's talk football." He said, "Yeah, okay then." So basically, I just pulled a load of people, told them get down the pub. I'm not going to tell you who's going to be there. They've turned up. <laughs> Our direct two directors of football are there you know, sat in front, put a microphone in front of them. And we just basically did a live podcast where we talked about everything about Brentford, about signings, about transfers, about the promotion, about the new season, Premier League. And it's definitely, definitely worth checking out. Pride of West.London, Phil Giles and Rasmus Ankinson interview. And uh, they talk about everything. But the interesting thing, what they talked about, they said, listen, when we go to the Premier League, we're just going to just carry on doing what we're going to do. We want to actually go and make a mark. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. So we want to be going up to the Premier League to be to be seen as giving it a go. We don't want to be going up there and just defensively trying not to let in any goals and not playing football. He goes, we'll go sure. there and we'll play football and we'll do our own thing. And if it works, it's great. And if it doesn't, you know, we'll, we'll go down and we'll just reconsolidate again and we'll just try again. And I sure. thought that's a really, really good sign. It's ambitious. So we'll see how that works out. You know, it's, it's one thing yeah. talking about that in a pub when everyone's on zero points, but we'll see after Christmas if you guys will have to adapt or not. But it would be exciting if you're able to play that style, keep the ball on the ground, play out from the back. And, and if it works out, you know, we're, we're all hopeful because as spectators, that's what we kind of come to watch, right? We don't want to watch two low blocks and that's not fun. So it's really no. exciting having Brentford in. So yeah. And, and you, what I will say is just we, I mean, we listen, I know it's preseason now. And it means nothing. But, you know, we had a pre-season friendly against Man United a couple of days ago. You know, they had, we had a mix between first and, yeah. and, 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 and squad players. 
they had a mix between first and squad players as well. And after the first 15 minutes, which we were a little bit rabbit in the headlights, it's like, wow, this is Old Trafford. This is really great. And they put the pressure on us. They, they went ahead, but we matched them, you know, you know, yeah. um, you know, blow for blow throughout the whole match. And we scored, it was, it's a game, if you again, watch it on YouTube, if you can do a game of four fantastic yeah. goals, yeah, two great goals. Man United goals, two Brent, great Brentford goals. Was that the Pereira also, goal, the one that hit the underbar? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, that's a great <laughs> goal. But if you just check out Brian and Bumo's goal as well, it's it scored nice. for us. Okay. Watch his touch. Just how, look how he just, just takes the touch, cuts it in, and then he cut the ball and curved it into the net. And that was Brian and Bumo of the, the two years ago. season. Yeah. So let's come on him. to Bumo because he's an interesting one. He's, you know, he definitely had more of a down year last year, right? And two years ago, he kind of made a name for himself. He was one of the, the Ben Ranma Watkins Bumo trio that stayed, had a bit of a down year last year, you know, kind of just a rough one, I guess, with the COVID year. But what are you expecting from him this season? I mean, he's going to have a lot more on his shoulders. So how are you feeling about him? Confident, nervous, both? And tell you what, yeah. again, when he's, when he signed, you know, and I spoke to the director of football. He said to me, he is such a skillful player. And okay. that was in that Watkins season. He said, he is such an unbelievably skillful player. Yeah. And also he said, don't forget, he's only really young. That sure. year, I think he was 22. He's 21, actually, in that year yeah. as well. So he's really, really, really young. So he's still got a lot to learn. Sure. Um, he got COVID, you know, still in, in, and again, the playoff season that, that, that we lost to Fulham. So he got COVID. He came back. When he came back after... The, the the break after we had the, the 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 lockdown for three months and we went into our winning run he, he wasn't quite the same player as he was before but you just sort of think you know that's just the way it is you know but he just wasn't quite the same he looked a slight a bit of a shadow of himself and then we had a really short break and then we came back this season again this season he wasn't quite the player he looked a shadow of himself he was trying okay. to do things and it wasn't quite happening but also you could see it in his face and also we thought maybe because he's lost Ben Rama he's lost Watkins he's lost the people that he plays with it's just not quite the same. So last season, he did all right. He got a few assists. He got, you know, a decent amount of goals, but he wasn't quite the same. But what I know is that he went away. He had a proper break. He went abroad. He had a holiday. He chilled out. He came back. He went into preseason. I saw him play in the first Brentford match of a preseason, which is when we played away at AFC Wimbledon. I managed to get a ticket for that because uh, the new, new stadium for AFC Wimbledon, I was very lucky to have actually managed to get a ticket because there was no away fans, but I, the, I got invited by the, the chairman of AFC Wimbledon actually, which is nice. So to check out a new st- stadium and see that. And the one thing I noticed, Brian Boomer was on fire in that game. He was okay. up for it. He looked like old school Boomer and, and that was good. And again, he did the same thing against Man United. So what I'd like to think is that he is going to, um, he's going to step up this season. Okay. We're in the Premier League. It's a different type of game, uh, a different type of football. Your passing game, you know, um, the, the championship you have to remember is really, really hard. You literally yeah. are going Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, yeah, Tuesday, yeah. Saturday Wednesday, Fatigue, every yeah. single week yeah you know so um i'm thinking with the rest with the small spread out games with the teams that I, I'm, hopefully will allow you to play football yeah a skillful player like boomer will actually get his chance to actually show his thing okay yeah i mean definitely an exciting season to see and especially if he had that long COVID. right we saw you know kai havertz plenty of other people that got COVID and were sort of really not themselves for months you know 10 months a long stretches so Hopefully, yeah, his his head's on right and, you know, he's able to kind of show what he can do because he's definitely someone that, you know, seems like worth keeping an eye on. And, you know, also on the more defensive side, I mean, speaking of Michelin earlier, Onyeka coming in is an exciting player. I thought he was fantastic. And in Champions League group last year, what do you expect from him? You know, he's going to shore up, you know, kind of cover some ground, shore some things up in the middle of the park. You know, how are you excited to see him coming in? 
Frank the Tank, as they call him in Michelin. I mean, we've got yeah. a real relationship with FCM um, because obviously, like I said, the, um, Matthew Benham, who's the Brentford owner, he actually owns Michelin as well. So I've actually been out there, actually seen them play. So I've flown over to Copenhagen. I know my Michelin chums, my buddies out there. So they're keeping us in tune the whole time. And we've actually known that this was happening for a while. And we actually surprised the director of football in that podcast when we said to him, by the way, Frank and Yaka, so has he come in then? And he was like, uh, what are you yeah. talking about? You know? yeah, <laughs> you're not releasing this for a couple weeks right yeah he's, he's trying to hold it down <laughs> yeah. but just like there you go so we put that out there so it was quite funny again like i said you've got to check out that pod but um frank um my michelin's friends said he is a brilliant player he is they believe and they're not being biased they said to me he's not only the best player in fc michelin but the best player in denmark at the moment so the best okay. player playing in, in the league sure yeah in the league because sure. a lot of the danish players when they get to a certain level they leave and they go to italy they Absolutely. go to, right. to the uk but he right. says they reckon he's the best player playing in the league at the moment now he plays for the super eagles as you know nigeria the national team even though he hasn't played very many games for them as, as yet but they reckon he's going to be a key player for them yeah. the, 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 the where he where his kind of qualities are is uh, and this probably wouldn't um resonate too much with with you in america because you wouldn't have seen his adverts but there's this thing called the duracell bunny which is uh, a duracell bunny was basically no we had um, that duracell. over here oh, you know, the energizer duracell. energizer that's right okay but, yeah, similar concepts that's, that's, go on, that's go right on. yeah Yes, right. The Energizer Bunny. So literally you put, you know, basically the batteries last forever and just keeps going and going yeah. and going. So he apparently goes for 90 minutes. He does not stop. Backwards, forwards, he's all over the pitch as well. So great defensive player, great attacking player, great energy, great strength. And um, and uh, and, he can, and he can score goals as well. So I was, like I said, I've seen uh, – uh, you've probably actually seen more – of him than I do because um, because listen with all due respect to Premier League and Champions League stuff when you're in the lower leagues yeah, it's, it's England, a little over that yeah I got you I hear you you kind of like you know you you're watching you know Edmonton yeah. Stanley and uh, Ipswich yeah, and, right. uh, Derby <laughs> right, County right, right. and stuff like that all the time like you know so this stuff yeah. kind of passes you by so because yeah. uh, it costs extra money to kind of get that when you're not involved in it you're like kind of like, well, I'm going to yeah. pay extra money to go and watch this you gotcha. know so uh, you've seen him play a lot more than do but he's uh, I think he's a very exciting player he's yeah. a player that at times we needed last season because sometimes if our energy levels were a bit low and you were playing the ball around a little bit kind of like kind of you know a little bit late and a little bit slowly you wanted someone to pick it up so hopefully he's going to be the player to pick it up now interestingly I think he's going to be playing in the position where Josh De Silva plays and Josh De Silva is an absolutely key player for Brentford but he's he was out um the back end of last season from February all the way through. And the rumour is that he could possibly out be out for the whole of this season as well. Whole season? Um, What's he got going? Yeah, well, he's got, a, I'm not sure if he's got an injury or whether he's not got a condition. I think it might be something to do with his hip. So oh, it's okay. something where I think something we don't, it, yeah, I don't know if it's sort of fixable, but we're just waiting for it to kind of, okay. to just for it to, to get better. So I think okay. maybe Anyeka's come in because we just realise that we need to uh, have this situation. Yeah. And if Josh De Silva comes back, We'll just have to just deal with it as it comes. But yeah. very exciting player indeed. Okay. And, you know, before we end on Tony, I just wanted to ask you about Matthias Jensen. He's on set pieces for you guys? Uh, well, he can, he can do set pieces. Yeah. It's, uh, we, we have a bit of a joke about Jensen. And listen, again, no disrespect to him because he's a great player. But we have this situation where people said to us, especially at the back of the season, you're going you're gonna to win this game. You're going to beat Watford. You're going to beat blah, 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 this, that, and the other. We go, well, it depends. And if we've got good Jensen on Saturday or bad oh, Jensen. He's, he's the one. He's the one yeah. that decides how the wind blows, kind of. 
there so it depends on if he has a good game or a bad game and when okay. good Jensen has a, go- a good game then then Brentford have a really good game and when bad Jensen has a game then it's like okay. oh no you're not quite as good as sure what's going to happen so okay. sometimes he takes set pieces and you know, or, or if he takes a corner and sometimes it may not even um be the first man you know okay. but then after okay. he, but then after he, but then after we notice that when he plays for the national side it's totally different. So I don't know whether or not he's getting different instructions at Brentford and we've got, you know, different ways of, you know, our free kick coaches, our set beat coaches, you know, tell us to do particular things because maybe, you know, like say for example, they tell them to put the ball in a particular place because instead of just putting the ball into the middle of the area, maybe they might put the ball at the, at the, at the front of the area to flick it in to cause chaos in the area. And that's, you know, those kind of things, we don't actually know what the, what the process is, you see. So, it may be that we're trying to do certain things to right. create certain types of things to happen on the pitch and it doesn't quite come off. Whereas if he right. plays for another team, they're just saying, right, this is what you need to do. You need to put the ball there and right. just let it happen. So right. he's a good player, Jensen. When he, when, okay. he, when he has a great game, he's a fantastic player, honestly. So okay. it's all good. Okay, cool. So, you know, wrapping up here, we got to gotta go spend some minutes on the main man, Mr. Tony up top. <laughs> Scored truckload last year. You know, certainly has... A lot about him, right? He's a handful. He's going to be stepping up into the Premier League. You know, they're going to be ready for that physical battle, the center backs, and he likes a card. You know, well, what are you expecting from Tony? You know, given that maybe the volume of chances will be diminished a little bit, you know, is he going to be the guy that, you know, maybe gets one and a half chances and is going to be able to take it and finish up in the 15 goal region? Or, you know, how are you expecting him to, to finish this or to, to take on the Premier League? Tell you, it's, it's, it's a tough one because we don't know. We've never been in this position. I mean, yeah. last year, you know, okay, we got to the semifinals of the of the League Cup, you know, and uh, and we lost to Tottenham in the in the semifinal, you know, right. but we we beat a load of Premier League teams, you know, Southampton, West Brom, you know, and and we did all right. So, and and that also wasn't with our full first team. It was a mix of the first and second team. So, I'd I'd like to think that you know we'd be able to compete with them, Ivan Tony he's just he's been waiting for this day he's just been waiting for this day so he's he's got no fear if he's you look quite at the confident. body language when the body language <laughs> that he's got you know i think that you know defenders will be worried and nervous about him he scored 31 goals last season yes he scored a load of penalties but i don't believe he missed one penalty so everyone who moans about he takes too many penalties i'm thinking would you love a player in your side that basically you knew if he's going to step up the penalty spot, he'll 100%, you know, score? Yeah. You know, so I'm thinking that, you know, Ivan Tony, he's going to a different level. People know him now. People were struggling to hand, to deal with him in, 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 in the championship, if we, if we have to be honest. He's going up to a different level. When I noticed against the Man United game, they immediately they had two players on him and they were, yeah. they were, they were, they were holding him down. So he, he, he had a, a few issues in trying to get space. But on, but on the other hand, he wasn't 100% fit. He wasn't 100% Ivan Tony. He wasn't making the runs that you expect him to or seen him do before. So I'm thinking, listen, give him another couple of weeks and let's see what he's like against Arsenal. Let's see what he's like against Palace. But he's going to be there and he's really hungry. Um, well, the thing I do remember is that when we signed Ivan Tony, um, Ollie Watkins, who we loved, he's a lovely person. He's a, lovely, a great player. He's just a, a good bloke. And when he left, he went with the Brentford Hands blessing. At the same time, we were, you know, one of our, uh, uh, you know, sort of stats people did a little stats thing on 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 Ollie Watkins, and then he compared Ivan Tony to him. Mm-hmm. And again, looking at the stats comparison, I thought, you know, this is a proper, you know, looking at all sorts of different areas. The interesting thing is that the only 
the only area that Ollie Watkins kind of sort of kind of beat him was, I think, in kind of carrying the ball. Well, and there's like two areas where he'd beat them, but everything else. Well, the man was also was, in League One there, though, right? I mean, that's got to be that's considered. Right. Well, that's the thing. The thing is, why I was a little bit kind of tentative in taking those stats is because Ollie Watkins had done it in the Championship right. and he'd done it in League One. So can you compare Championship and League One stats? We weren't sure, but obviously he came to the Championship yeah. and he did it again. So yeah. what I'm saying is that he kind of knows what he's doing. He knows yeah. what he has to do. So I'm thinking if he can take that up another level as well, Brentford are very good at creating chances. Okay, we'll probably create less chances in the Premier League than we will do in you know, another league. But we're, we were very similar to Leeds when it came to chance creation. Okay. And chance creation, again, I know a lot of people hate XG because they think, oh, it's a load of mumbo-jumbo, whatever. But it's a, I think it's a really good indicator as to kind of you as a team doing the right things. Leeds United used to create a bucket load of chances in our division the year that they went up and they used to miss a bucket load of chances. But they still scored and they still went up. If, they, if, they had, if they'd scored all the chances that they created... They would have been, you know, they would have been clear 15 points. You know what I'm saying? They were clearly the best side in that league, you know, that year. We were very similar to them in that we create a lot of chances. And we also used to miss a lot of chances as well. But still, we did enough that we needed to do to get to that level. Now, if we can still create a decent amount of chances and feed Ivan Tony, then that's good. But what I will say to you is that Ivan Tony is great in front of the ball, but he's also great in defending. He's great in setting up. He's basically all over the place. He's a real all-round player. And that's what we've actually really benefited from him. And also what Brentford are doing this season is I think we're trying to get back to what we were like two seasons ago where we were scoring goals all over the park. So we weren't just relying on one player. We, you know, we had Watkins, we had Benrama, we had Mbuma, right. we had Silvers. And I think right. we're looking to do exactly the same thing here now. So if you've got the scenario where they're all trying to crowd out Tony and make sure that he doesn't score... Boomer can pop up, you know, yep. or we can have, you know, um, Canos, if he plays yeah. for a or we can get, you know, uh, uh, Pert Harris, who we just got from uh, Chelsea to pop up and score, or we get Frank the Tank to pop up and he can score, or Norgard, who's a brilliant player, CDM, well, he comes yeah. and floats up and he comes and he scores, you know what I'm saying? Uh, well, you're going to need that. Aga you're straight up, back you know? down. Exactly. So yeah. that's, I think, what we're looking at. So keep your fingers crossed. And okay. I think the first four games of the season, are going to be really telling. We've got Arsenal first at home, then we've got Crystal Palace away, then we've got West Aston Villa away, then we've got Brighton at home. And I think those first four games, which are, inverted commas, probably not the toughest, you know, we haven't got Manchester City and then, you know, Chelsea, you know, in our first four games. Yeah, I think it'll give us a good indicator as to kind of how we're coping with this league. So So let's just see how it goes. Look, you look at those four, I mean, are you happy if you finish up Brighton and you earn four points? Or that's not good enough? What's your... So again, am I happy... You finished Brighton that fourth game, right? Those four fixtures you just mentioned, you're on four points. Would you take that? Or is that, what are you thinking? Uh, well, it's interesting because uh, uh, looking positively, if we've got four points from the four games, it means that you haven't, you haven't lost, you know? So, you know, Brentford's, and then you've gone into our first month on a, on a non-losing streak, you know? So uh, I think that's quite cool. It'd be nice for us to do something to get one win out of those because then it'll just give us yeah. something to jump up about. Well, you could go a win, a loss, and two... A win, two losses, and a draw or something, you know? That's right. You know, something like that, you know, which will be same four points, but at least we've got a win out of it. So, you know, so so I think four points, you know, out of our first 12, I think will be interesting. I don't know. Again, you follow the Premier League more than I do. I don't know what, you know, what kind of new up-and-coming teams, you know, or the teams at the bottom – how they start off, how many, because I mean, I heard that, you know, there's some teams that had won for about six months, you know, yeah. in the Premier League, including the F word, foot, 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 I can't say it actually. How's it go again? Fulham. Yeah. So um, some teams haven't won for a very long time. So 
I suppose that if you get yourself a win or a couple of wins in the first couple of months, you're probably setting yourselves up half decently in the Premier League, but you know more about that than I do. Yeah, I mean, it's momentum's a thing, right? And, and the fans coming back is also an X factor. We're not too sure how that's going to impact the first couple games. I'm sure, you know, that we'll see some kind of bizarre results, I, I would expect. But, you know, yeah, Arsenal, Palace, Villa, Brighton, you know, it's certainly not similar to what Norwich are facing. I think they've got like Leicester, City, Liverpool, Man United or something in the first four. So, you know, it's about, you know, chunking off the season probably. And it's a lot, you know, you're, you're missing about eight games this year that then you're used to. So it'll be exciting yeah. to see. Ivan Tony, though, it sounds yeah. like what I'm hearing you say is absolute baller and he's going to be able he to is. rise to the occasion, huh? I reckon, honestly, right. I reckon that he will do. If you look at his face and look at his eyes and no, just look at him, he's just, yeah, he's, he's, a he's so, so confident yeah. and he just doesn't care he just yeah. doesn't care at all and it's like one of those things where okay. you know i thought i thought i wasn't sure i wasn't sure when he came but i have to admit and we've got this uh this whole thing as well it's quite funny because you know what football fans are like he comes in and said at ollie watkins he doesn't score in the first two games all the brentford fans obviously we couldn't get the game but they're all you know a lot of them are kind of giving him grief on social media god what are we getting for he's a waste of money he's a waste <laughs> of money this that and the other after yeah. that he starts banging the goals in so we're watching the yeah. game in the pub every time he scores a goal as a bit of an in-joke, we all start singing, what a waste of money. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah so fingers crossed he's not going to be, he's not going to be a waste of money. But what I'll say is that obviously the first game of the season that opens the Premier League is going to be Brentford versus Arsenal at our new stadium, yep. uh, new Griffin Park, as we call it. So it's going to be a brand new stadium. It's going to be full, 17,500 people in that stadium. Loud. And I was there when we played Bournemouth four and a half thousand and it sounded like 50,000 in that wow, stadium. So okay, that cool. stadium is going to be rocking on that and it's night. Opening, so you need to it's, check it out. And it's opening up the season. You've got Friday night lights. Right. It's a solo that's game. Right. So that'll be fun. Yeah. All right, Billy, you know, right. I think that's all the Thank time you, we got for this one today, but I, you know, absolutely love hearing your passion, enthusiasm for your team. It's, going to be really exciting to watch how the bees how the bees buzz this year and you know maybe you could also before we say goodbye just let the let our listeners know where where they can find you one more time of course we are so uh, beside podcast b you can get us on twitter b double e s o t t e d as well instagram we're going live it's been besotted 1992 we're not quite live on that but we'll keep it going <laughs> and also uh facebook as well besotted on facebook uh but also like i said to you, we do this podcast which is a brilliant podcast. we've got 800 episodes in now as well so we're pretty lively and you can catch us on pride of west dot london so pride of west dot London, and that's because we are the pride of West London, okay? Not Fulham, <laughs> not QPR. Uh, we'll talk about Chelsea. We're still about Brentford, okay? You know, we might be the smallest, but we're still the proudest. Billy, it was a delight having you on. Thank you. Okay, thank you.